Most people don't know what's holding them back, but you do because you listen to me, Sam, your self-care guru and journal junkie. Welcome to Journal Entries, your safe place where you can tune in weekly to get tips, tricks, and journal prompts to uncover your feelings, gain clarity, and make your move. Welcome to today's journal entry. Today we have our first ever very special guest, Kelsey, who I interviewed, and she is a stay-at-home mom of three turned Enneagram 9 mentor. She runs a community of over 37,000 Enneagram 9s on Instagram. And today we go into what it's like to be an Enneagram 9, coping with anxiety and limiting beliefs, and we even dig into how to show up fully in relationships. I'm so excited for you guys to meet her. Let's dig in. I have been low-key slash high-key, super, super excited for today because we have Kelsey as our guest today. Thanks for being here, Kelsey. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So for those of you that don't know, Kelsey's Instagram is at Healthy Nine Club. And I just, I know that I've told you this, Kelsey, but I have to share with our listeners how I found you because, so basically I was just scrolling Instagram, which I do way too frequently. (laughs) Yes. And your one of your posts popped up in my explore page and for, it was a reel of course and so something about the reel made me click on it and it I don't know if you remember this one but it was what it feels like to be an enneagram 9 with anxiety. Do you mm-hmm. remember that one? Oh yeah, that was a good yeah. one. I just felt it was like a funny way to describe it but I just felt so like heard and understood and like she gets me and so of course I had to reach out (laughs) yeah that was such a fun post because I mean I I literally just crowdsourced the information I went in stories and I was like hey those of you with anxiety like what does that feel like for you can you tell me and you know a lot of people submitted kind of metaphors for how it felt and I just picked some that I thought were like really insightful or funny and Mm -hmm. I just read them on screen. And it ended up being like such a good reel that I think a lot of people related to. Yeah. All of your posts. I I just, I'm like, yes, that's, (laughs) that's what I feel. And that's what I'm going through. That's always my goal. That's my goal. (laughs) You're perfect at it. And I will say I am an Enneagram nine. I took the Enneagram quiz. Oh my gosh. So many years ago, but I don't know for our listeners if they know what it is. So do you want to share with us like a little bit about Enneagrams? Yeah, definitely. So for those of you that don't know, which I feel like it's so hot right now, I have a hard time meeting someone that doesn't know what the Enneagram is. But if you don't know, um, it's a personality profile that kind of takes it a step further from like Myers-Briggs. If you know that one, that's kind of the classic one. I think we all took it in high school, maybe. Um, But it just sort of takes it a step further in that there are nine types. And within those nine types, there are actually split into three. So there's actually 27 types if you want to get technical, but most people (laughs) don't. Um, And it gives you sort of a pathway for growth, which I think is what's really cool about it. It isn't just like, oh, here's your type and there you go. You're send you on your way. It's like, here's your type and here are ways that you can grow towards being sort of a healthier version of yourself and the way that you interact with the world. So um, I think that was why I really liked it because, you know, it was, it was like an action piece to it. It wasn't just knowledge. It was like, Mm -hmm. 
here, take this and actually do something with it. Um, so that's the Enneagram short version. I, I always recommend if you don't know your type, I really like the Truity, T-R-U-I-T-Y. Um, they have a great quiz that can kind of give you your top three. And then from there, I always recommend just getting a book or reading online about the different types and their motivations, because it's always rooted in motivations. Um, and from there, it's just which primary motivation you you relate to most. That's kind of the foundation of how you function in the world. Um, so yeah, Enneagram 101. Yeah. <laughs> That's and so you, you're in Enneagram 9, is that right? For sure. Big time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so am I. And I, I took I think I actually did take the truity quiz and mine mm-hmm. was a nine and a three. And I definitely mm-hmm. relate to both of them. But like, like you said, the motivations and the demeanor. And mm-hmm. before we pressed record, we were just talking about how like sometimes we have to like stand up for ourselves or others. And it feels like we're being so mean, even though we're just like, excuse me. Can you yes. Do that? Yes. That's and it's like I'm so, so draining to do that. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah, like. I need a nap now. Thank you. I'm done for the day. (laughs) Exactly. So we could like, I feel like have so many hours about like the different Enneagrams, but since we're both nines and I feel like there are a lot of things that my audience has, even if they're not an Enneagram nine, I Mm -hmm. know that they like sometimes struggle with people pleasing or anxiety and things like that. So can you give us some insight on what, what is an Enneagram nine? So nine specifically kind of our nickname is the peacemaker. Um, And our primary motivation in the way that we function in the world is always to find harmony within our surroundings. And then as well as that, there's an inner peace that we're always seeking for. We need to, we need to have peace about what's going on around us. And when that peace is upset, that's like the biggest deal. Um, And then the flip side of that. So there's always a primary motivation The flip side to that is the primary fear of the Enneagram nine, and that is disconnect or separation from other people. We don't want to be disconnected, separated from other people. Um, That's kind of the worst fear really for a nine. So, um, so yeah, nines can, you know, they can look very different. I'll say that on the outside, nines can look very different, but there tends to be patterns of oftentimes people pleasing that can certainly show up for a nine um, as a way to sort of keep the peace and maintain harmony around them. Uh, Certainly a lot of us, it seems at least in my community, I would say 80 to 90% of us when I've done polls struggle with internal anxiety simply because of that feeling of needing to almost be on guard all the time for something that's going to upset our peace. Uh, and then ironically, that's what ends up upsetting our peace. <laughs> yes. I totally felt that. Right. Um, yeah. so yeah, I mean, nines can look very different. Not all nines are people pleasers. I definitely have some nines in my community, probably the more likely to have an eight wing, um, who show up very differently in the world and, and that's great. But yeah, I think my community tends to speak to the nines, you know, who are people pleasers, who maybe have learned over time to kind of get small, to keep the peace, to please others, to um, put our own needs on the back burner in order to like 
not inconvenience anyone. That's something that I just hear all the time. Um, so I think there is like a common thread there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. What about any good thing? What are like the positive sides of an Enneagram nine? Yes. I love that you asked that because sometimes I think we don't spend enough time talking about that. Um, okay. So nines, if you ask like pretty much any other number, <laughs> I think it's hard for us to see it ourselves, but, um, I think that we really bring like a, a piece that that's our goal, right? We bring a peace and harmony into the world that is so desperately needed. I think, especially right now, the way that the world is, um, oftentimes we're kind of that source of, I can't think of the right word exactly, but like sometimes we're that rock that, Mm -hmm. you know, we can bring that sense of harmony, that sense of peace, that sense of calm. There's oftentimes like some real calm being, being with a nine. Um, and oftentimes I will say this too, when nines start to show up in a more healthy way, they can really tap into that kind of peacemaking power where they can mediate other people. They can kind of see both sides, help people communicate and say, oh, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Let's get on the same page. Um, you know, and then becoming really strong advocates for positivity and for positive change, because most of us do, you know, we really, we want good for other people and we care deeply about other people and those around us. And so when we can kind of get past some of those tough things and like dig into our, our strength, it can be really, really powerful. But yeah, there, there are certainly some really beautiful things about nines. And that's good to hear because I relate so deeply to all of like the, I don't want to say negative things, but like mm-hmm. the, <laughs> you know, the yeah. other side of things. Yeah. And sometimes I'm like, man, I wish I wasn't a nine, you know, yeah. but you're right. Like there are, it's good to be a nine too. And there needs to be nines, right. To like balance everything out. Yeah. And I think I honestly hear that all the time. I hear it all the time in my community. And I think something we need to remind ourselves of is just that every single Enneagram number has those difficult things for sure. Every single human, like we're human, right? There's mm-hmm. not one person. There's no tens. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> there's no, it's true. Yeah. There's no perfect tens. Um, so it's just important to remember that like truly no number is better than another and other people don't necessarily have it easier. It just might feel that way when you're so focused on like your own difficulties. And then you can look at threes and be like, well, they can do all this stuff. I just (laughs) wish I could be a three, but they have different issues that they're working on. Right. So it, it can be like, I've fallen into that place so many times of like, oh, maybe it would just be easier if I were a different number. But yeah, um, yeah but we got to we got to claim like we got to claim who we are. Right. Yeah. I love that. So then share with us a little bit more about like the mental health aspect, because I, I've heard you say a couple of times, like we tend to be pretty anxious at times and um we almost cause like inner turmoil with the whole peacemaking thing. So mm-hmm. what what can you share with us about that? Yeah. So something I'm a big advocate for is really for nines to find a way to 
treat basically just treat themselves with kindness a lot of people talk about self-care I don't love the term self-care because I think it's like a little overused now (laughs) but uh but really it's just in a day-to-day basis learning how to listen to yourself we're very good at listening to other people we're very good at pleasing other people but we tend to forget ourselves and forget that we are also human um And so I always try to encourage my community to just tune into yourself, you know, whatever that is for you, whatever helps you kind of check in with yourself and start to ask yourself questions. Where am I at? How am I feeling? Um, What do I need right now? What do I actually want in this moment? Just little check-ins like that can be super powerful for a nine because I do think that like when we forget ourselves and we please everyone else... Every, everyone reaches a point of really a point of resentment and, and a breaking point um, that it isn't sustainable long-term to do that your whole life. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's really powerful to then kind of turn inward and say, okay, I'm a person too. I'm allowed to treat myself with the same respect I treat others with. Um, and then it gives you such a fuller place to then connect with others on a deeper level. Mm-hmm. I hope that makes sense. That when you, you know, when you realize that you are half of all of your relationships and you don't even know who you are, that you can tune in, you can figure yourself out, you can align yourself with your values and priorities. And then you turn around and you have you have so much more to give because you feel like a full person in yourself. You're not seeking others to validate you you're not pleasing others to ease your own anxiety does that Mm -hmm. make sense yeah it's I love that you said that because this week in particular I've been working on um I don't want to call them limiting beliefs but like Mm -hmm. my subconscious of like beliefs that I just have almost you know Mm -hmm. and one of them was this fear of like, if I speak up, I might upset someone. And so this Mm -hmm. week I've been working on switching that. And I wrote down like a new belief that I want to start believing and adapting. When I speak up, I allow my relationships to strengthen and deepen. And that's like exactly what you just said. Yes. I really love that. And honestly, I, I love talking about limiting beliefs because I mean, we all have them. It's just those things you carry around in your head that affect everything you do. Like our beliefs are the foundation of our choices. And it's great to do belief work. And even if you don't change your beliefs, just to be aware of, oh yeah, that is something that for some reason I've carried that belief with me for years and years and it has affected the way I've shown up and maybe not always in the best ways. To then flip that and, and yeah, flip that script. And I think that's like a really big one for a lot of nines is yes. When I show up fully, when I use my voice, it allows others to know me better, know me on a deeper level. Mm -hmm. So that's powerful. Yeah. And I like too, what you said of asking yourself what you want. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you. I, I mean, I think it was probably my whole life. I've just spent like not really caring what I want because I want, Mm -hmm. you know, if I was in a big group of people and someone said, where do you want to go to dinner? I would mm-hmm. never be the one to speak up. So I'd be like, whatever you guys want, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, just kind of checking in or even, I don't know. I feel like I could even journal on that of like, what do I want right now? Like, what would be my yeah. ideal situation? 
And then it might not be exactly like that, but yeah. just knowing that in the background. Yeah, I think that's really powerful. And I think somebody in our community, we, we were talking about this in stories one day. They said, well, I don't, I'm, I don't want to speak up because like, for example, in your, the example you just gave, I don't want to speak up and say, oh, I want to eat a Chipotle because then like I run the risk of being disappointed. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I understand that very well because that that's a big fear of a nine is also just to not feel seen, not feel heard, to not feel like our presence really matters to anyone. Um, mm-hmm. But I just turned around and reminded them that, hey, even if you didn't end up getting your way, you know, quote unquote, your friends in that group now know you a little better. Mm-hmm. Is that true? Like maybe for your birthday, you'll get a Chipotle gift card. <laughs> I mean, right? right? Yeah. So, so we can't just always be looking at like the external, the outcome, but also yeah. just allowing ourselves to be like, to be known and run the risk of, you know, of not getting what we want or run the risk of someone saying, no, I hate Chipotle and now I hate you forever. <laughs> Which would never happen, but like that's yeah, the right. fear, right? Yeah. Yeah. Then the whole group is, say you do go to Chipotle and nobody else has a good meal and then you feel even worse about it. Yeah. yeah it's like that responsibility piece I think is huge. Like I don't want to be in like in charge of anyone else's happiness because that's like too much pressure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't handle it then if anything goes wrong, that's yeah. on me and I will be awake thinking about it for like six months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I know that so I'm just very basic knowledge with the Enneagram mm-hmm. I know that there's like unhealthy and healthy sides right and you can is it like opposite numbers am I saying yeah. that right yeah kind of yeah it's kind of confusing so yeah you'd, you'd have to google like the Enneagram um the I want to say logo <laughs> that's not <laughs> the right word <laughs> The Enneagram, it's it's actually an Enneagram. That's the shape um, because it has nine like points. So each number is, you know, a different point. Nines are right at the top, which is kind of cool. We're called the crown of the Enneagram. So that kind of makes us special, which I like. <laughs> I like that too. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, if you just Google that, um, you can see arrows. There are arrows that point in different directions and they kind of go in like triangles. So for a nine, just for example... Um, in, in health, in healthy space, nines move towards the healthier side of three and threes are more go-getter, more achiever type. Um, and so nines can kind of tap into that energy of like, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna think about what I want and I'm gonna actually, you know, make motion and actually achieve it instead of sort of floating through the wind, like a feather, like, like we do on autopilot Mm -hmm. um and then on the flip side of that the arrow goes the other way in lower health we go towards the unhealthy side of six which is like more anxiety more overthinking more um uh really like fear-based scarcity thinking so um yeah that's what's kind of cool about it is that you can sort of pull out those like traits and say well, if I want to, if I want to kind of tap into my three, here's what I might try to do in this situation. You know, like Mm -hmm. it gives you like a roadmap. I like that. 
that was actually my next question is how can you use this, your Enneagram, whatever type you are as yeah. a roadmap? Like what would that next step be? Yeah, that's kind of the tricky piece because I feel like when I started learning about the Enneagram, which was about two and a half years ago, I think it was like my beginning pandemic hobby. <laughs> um, yeah, it. a lot of the books you read, you know, they'll kind of lay it out for you and say, here's, you know, help you figure out your number. And then from there, it's like, oh, you'll go towards three in health or you'll go towards six in, in lower health. And then it kind of stops there. And you're like, okay, so I know I want to tap into my three, my healthy space, but how? Like I've always, I've been struggling with that, right? Because it's mm -hmm. like that missing piece. And that was actually why I created my community for nines was because oh. I, I felt like that was missing. So I wanted to create a community where we could talk about, okay, how can we actually move towards three and what does that look like and how does it apply in our everyday life? So, um, you know, the best advice I can give at this point after a year, it'll be one year tomorrow of, of our community's existence, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> my best advice is really sort of like what I talked about earlier, but I think the first piece is self-awareness and just becoming aware of your tendencies, sort of your autopilot, because a lot of times we're just floating and we don't even realize that we're doing what we're doing. Um, and so that's why my feed posts are very focused on just helping you find the, the words to describe what is going on inside your head or maybe inside your body. So that we can kind of start to tune back into ourselves because that's a really big piece for nines. We are self-forgetters. But when we can tune back into ourselves and become self-aware, then I think we can have that awareness piece to, to step forward and say, okay, in this moment, I have a choice of how I'm going to respond. Instead of being on autopilot, here's what I would maybe normally do. I'm going to try this instead. So I'll just give you, I'll give you an example from my own life um, because I feel like I'm very much on this road. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, let me try and remember. I was talking to my husband about something. Okay. I remember now. Um, <laughs> so my husband is going to be traveling for work. He's going to be traveling out of the country and um, I immediately felt kind of sad about it because um, he travels pretty often. And so that can be really hard as a mom of three, right? Mm -hmm. It's hard. It's just hard work. And so I immediately felt myself feeling sad about it. And I felt myself kind of falling into my autopilot, which is to not say anything because I don't want to upset him and I don't want to ruffle feathers. Um, and I, I felt myself starting to get resentful. Okay. So I kind of, I was able to witness that happen inside my own head and in my own body. And because I have the self-awareness now and the knowledge that I, that I do of, you know, who I am and how I interact with the world, I was able to step back and say, okay, well, I could stay on the path I'm on right now, which is pretty much what I've done for 30 years. And has never led me anywhere good. 
if I'm being honest. It has it has made my marriage worse. It has made me uh, a bitter person. It has made me resent my husband, which I don't want to feel. I want to feel close to him. I don't want to feel resentful of him. So I said, okay, I'm going to do the hard thing that is not my autopilot. <laughs> and I'm going to have a honest conversation with him about it. It was not a confrontation. It was not this big, scary thing that I think a lot of nines build it up to be. Like, I'm not asking you to go like yell at your spouse. <laughs> but I just, you know, once we got our kids to bed that night, I just kind of broke down and said, hey, I'm having these feelings about you going out of the country for two weeks. I'm feeling jealous about it. I'm feeling resentful about it. I'm feeling sad about it. Like, I'm feeling like it's unfair that that like you get to go explore this country on your evenings and weekends and like I'm going to be here changing diapers and I feel I'm not angry at you. I want you to have that experience, but I just need you to know that like it makes me sad. Because mm -hmm. he's my spouse. Like I want him to know me. I want him to know what's going on inside my head. And so because of that conversation, my husband turned around and said, well, what if you could join me for a week? Wow. And literally I booked my flight last night. We sat down, my husband and I booked it together and we have found childcare for a week and I am going to visit him in another country for a week just because I had that conversation with him and it was not an attack. It was not a, a fight. It was literally mm -hmm. just me having the willingness to express how I was feeling, even though it was negative. So in the past, yeah, I would have stuffed that down. I would have stuffed that way down. And I would have said, this is why it sucks to be a mom, because they get to have <laughs> all the fun and we're stuck at home with the kids. Yeah. But it, but look how different that situation turned out. Yeah. Um, because of that willingness. So that's the kind of thing that I try, I try to model it for my community to show, mm -hmm. you know, those limiting beliefs do hold you back. And there is more for you across that line of fear. Yeah. You know? First of all, I'm so excited that you're going. I saw your story uh, about it. You're going to the Czech Republic, right? Yes. I'm yeah. so excited. Yes. It's a, it's awesome. It's a big deal. Yeah. So, and it's scary and all the things, but mm -hmm. mostly I'm just excited that like, I get to take up a little space in my own yeah. life, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yes. And I think for me hearing that story, when you said that, like you did speak up inside, I was like, whoa, like that's big. <laughs> you know? Yeah. For me, that'd be huge. And then I was just like, well, what's he going to say? What's the response? <laughs> you know, I feel like I've been conditioned of like, I don't know, like the response might not be positive and it might yeah. be negative or, yeah. but like seeing like it might not be, and it might be amazing. It could open yeah. up a whole other world. Like is just that much more enticing to like lean into, you know, the uncomfort, I guess. Yeah, definitely. And I think, I mean, this is something a lot of people have said to me and, you know, they're like, how do, how do you know they're not going to respond negatively? And at the end of the day, you don't, you don't mm -hmm. control anyone but yourself. But I will say this, I will say that sometimes I've witnessed this in nines. We go into the conversation already feeling like we know how they're going to react. 
Mm-hmm. And when we do that, we lead the witness. So we approach the conversation in a very different way when we feel like they're going to be negative about it. We're, we're, you know, like we're timid. We maybe, we maybe are focused on the negatives because we're like in that fear-based thinking and that does not inspire confidence in whoever we're talking to. And mm-hmm. so very often it's almost like we, obviously everyone else is responsible for their own choices and we are responsible for ours, but sometimes we do sort of lead the witness in that way. But if you can kind of change that mindset to, I want to have this conversation because I care about you and because I want you to know me and I want to know you mm-hmm. instead of I'm going to be belligerent about this just because I can't, you know what, you know what I mean? <laughs> like there's a very different um, right. foundation there. And I think that's a big piece of like how other people might respond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've had a lot of women come to me and say that they want to have hard conversations with their significant other mm-hmm. for like all different types of reasons. And that tells me that they're a little bit fearful of what to say or how to say it. Mm-hmm. Do you have any tips on like any, like how to go into a conversation like that, especially if you're an Enneagram nine? Yeah, this was something I sort of coached on this summer. I did, I did like a live one month program and I, uh, I think one of the whole modules that we talked about was sort of um, really how we approach hard conversation. So I called it healthy conflict 101, but really it's, it's any kind of like tough conversation. So one big piece that we talked about was, um, just body language, kind of getting like getting in your body first, making sure that like you're sitting up straight, your shoulders are rolled back. You're relaxed. I mean, you might not be relaxed if you feel like you're having a hard (laughs) conversation, but like, I think it helps to sort of, um, make sure you feel comfortable and confident in your body when you're going into a tough conversation, because it just gives you like that feedback. Cause like your brain talks to your body, but your body also talks to your brain. Right. Mm -hmm. So when your body is in a confident stance, then it can communicate to your brain that, you know, like we can stand firm in this, we can be firm and kind at the same time. We can, you know, we can say what we need to say. Um, as opposed to, you know, sometimes we, without that awareness, we might just enter a conversation and be like hunched over. And like, we might be kind of shrinking down because we just want to disappear in that moment. Um, and so that, that body language is a huge piece that I think is very helpful. And then number two is, I, I can't remember what I called it. Um, I think I, I think I just call it like, a pre like preface the conversation. So it always helps to preface the conversation with, um, really what your end goal is like at a foundational level. So for example, if I was going to talk to my husband about something that I felt like might be a difficult conversation, I would say like, Hey, I, there's something I want to talk to you about. And the, like the reason is, it's, it's not an attack on you. It's not, um, I'm not nagging. I'm not trying to make you feel bad in any way, but, but this is something that I would really love to have a conversation about because I think it could really help us get on the same page. 
Like that's mm-hmm. an example of a preface that would just put that other person at ease. They don't feel like they're being attacked. They're not going to immediately put their guard up and they're not going to go on the attack when you mm-hmm. just give that little preface first. And that is the goal at the end of the day, right? We don't want to have hard conversations with our spouses to cause fights. Mm-hmm. That doesn't achieve anything. We want to have hard conversations with our spouses so we can learn from each other. We can hear each other's perspectives and we can find common ground and an action step to move forward. Mm -hmm. So I think those are my two biggest is like work on your body language and the way that you approach a tough conversation, but also don't be scared to just be direct, sit down and preface the conversation with you know, a little disclaimer, because that can be (laughs) self-helpful for whoever you're talking to. Yeah. You know, I like the disclaimer that helps. Yeah. I mean, I feel like if someone was going to sit down with me and bring something to my attention, I would really appreciate just knowing I'm not mad at you. We are fine. (laughs) This is not an attack. I just want to talk about this and make sure we're on the same page. Like that would put me at ease in, in Mm -hmm. a, you know, in a tough conversation. Yeah. Way better than just like them throwing at you, whatever it is. Then I at least would be tempted to go on the defense immediately. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's a really good way to sort of mitigate that and just let them Mm -hmm. know that like we are on the same team at the end of the Mm -hmm. day, this needs to be a constructive conversation, not a, not a destructive one. And that's my goal. So Mm -hmm. it can help to just sort of for both of you to have that preface of, okay, Here's the point of this conversation. Mm -hmm. It's not just to start yelling at each other. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. It's to create more peace, which should make us feel good in the end, right? Yes, totally. And sometimes you have to kind of upset the external peace for a little bit so you can create that internal peace within yourself, knowing that you've shown up in the way that you want to and that you have allowed yourself to be heard and you can sleep at night, (laughs) you know, knowing that you have done your peace. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. So good. Well, thank you so much, Kelsey. Everything you shared still, I'm just like, I just want you to like pour into me everything. Cause I just feel so good. And like, like I said earlier, just understood. And like, I have yeah. more confidence even after this conversation of, you know, even in conversations and relationships and also that piece that you said earlier of just asking myself, like, what do I want? That's huge, Mm -hmm. you know, especially for someone that isn't used to knowing and hearing that, you know? Yeah. Well, when you've never asked it, you know, Mm -hmm. it it can be uncomfortable to to suddenly start asking yourself that question because you've never really dug in, (laughs) but it is, it's so powerful too. So like, it's exciting that, that that's really what you're starting to do for yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you again. I really appreciate your time and your expertise and we'll definitely dig into this again. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's journal entry. I love connecting with my listeners. So make sure you screenshot this episode and tag me on Instagram at samantha.s.says so I know you're listening. And don't forget to grab your free training and journal prompts at www.samanthapenkoff.com forward slash podcast.